I'm Rick Cushman, and this episode of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul is sponsored by Tourism Vancouver. They invite you to come to Vancouver for the wine and stay for the comedy. And I don't mean Paul's talks at the Vancouver International Wine Festival. Hey, come on. I'm talking about the weekend the Vancouver Wine Festival and the JFL Northwest Comedy Festival overlap. That's March 1st to 4th. So we're counting Thursday as a weekend day, which is what we always do, Paul. Yes, well, and the festival is really cool, Rick. Um, February 24th to March 4th, wines from 16 different countries, lots of dinners, lunches, brunches, big walk-around tastings, tutored seminars. Yeah, Paul's going to be one of those tutors. He's actually the keynote speaker. You can take that as encouragement, or you can take that as a warning. Thank you for the bad comedy. Fair enough. Uh, but, you know, for great comedy, then you come <laughs> to the, some of the comedy's biggest names at Just for Laughs Northwest. It, that's in association with Cirrus XM. It runs March 1st to the 10th, and there's more than 95 shows at 30 venues. And the star lineup is amazing. Just a few of them. Trevor Noah, Joe Coy, Bill Kerr, Maria Bamford, Brian Reagan, Jay Farrow, Man. Anthony Jeselnik, Mike Birbiglia, wow. Nikki Glaser, and a whole bunch more. And then new to the festival this year is they have the Vancouver Just for Last Film Festival that starts March 1. Wine and laughs, Rick. Who would have thought to put those two things together? Nobody who's ever heard us, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Wine and Comedy Festival are just two more reasons to visit that wonderful, wonderful city, Vancouver. Vancouver is one of my favorite cities on the planet. Yeah, and even when, when both of us are there. Even when we're there. Yeah, so remember, travel time is very short, and right now the dollar is very strong. Visit jflnorthwest.com and vanwinefest.com for tickets and details, and we also have links on our charming website. Yes, we do. Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. Paul, I got a press release the other day that just got me all a tither. I was so excited. <laughs> a tither? Who says a tither, Rick? It's an exclusive club. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what the press release was about. It said, hang on here, meet America's new water sommelier. You're kidding. Nope. Oh, nope. man. Now, you're a tither, too, aren't I'm you? I'm a tither. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today we're going to talk about chasing certifications, even ridiculous ones like that. Plus, listeners ask a few Super Bowl-related questions and about tasting room, quote-unquote, help. That's with air quotes. Uh, our horrible wine writing shows the uniqueness of handcrafted artisan wine. <laughs> and uh-huh. as, as usual, we will make fun of wine snobs, especially people getting certified just to show off. <laughs> By the way, a couple of reminders. We're still, still Capital Public Radio's podcast. Podcast lineup, Paul? Yes, we are recommended. Recommended. Podcast. And remember, yes. that's Sacramento's yep. NPR station, so Lord knows why. Well, and thank, NPR seems to be struggling on despite they, their support. They are good folks. Uh, we're also on Napa Broadcasting, and that's a network that comes out of Napa Valley College. More academics that are making foolish mistakes. An institution of higher learning. They should know better. And a reminder, Paul is leading a wine cruise in July, That's and you can go with him if you want. You can even go and then not and stay away from Paul, but this is Wines of the <laughs> it's a West. It's it is. <laughs> it's it's Wines of the West that's out of San Francisco from July 31st to August 10th, and it's winecruisegroup.com through Expedia Cruises. The ship is the Crystal Symphony, by the way, which is amazing ship. It is one yeah. of Condonast Traveler's top cruise ships in the world, and they are clearly uh, willing to put their reputation on the line. With they they Paul. put on they I, I understand they put on after extra lifeboats. Okay, well because case, I'm on board. Yes, people we're gonna run. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. All right. 
So let me tell you about uh, this exciting new press release. <laughs> yeah. It said... I, wait, I just want to say, Rick, I can see you reading the headline, <laughs> and I can see your face breaking into a grin and saying, oh, goody. Actually, I was banging my head on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> it said, meet America's new water sommelier. This otherwise nice wine person, and she is not a nice person who, who sent this out, uh-huh. um, the prestigious certification of wine sommelier. Water. <laughs> a water sommelier. Uh, the person had, a, yeah, I, I, excuse me, that they had achieved, I'll try this again, had achieved the prestigious, this is the, un, in with quotes, the prestigious certification of water sommelier. Uh, by the way, uh, they never said from whom or how or Rick, what, what it took. I hereby certify you. As a podcast sommelier? As a prestigious water sommelier. Oh. You make water with the best of them. I want to be an orange juice sommelier. <laughs> Uh, According to the press release, uh, until 2015, there was only one water sommelier in the entire U.S. I can't imagine why. And even today, only a handful exist worldwide. (laughs) I'm sure that's true. (laughs) No wonder, right? Uh, How hard is it to say, would you like still or sparkling? Well, exactly. And how do you turn on the tap? (laughs) Well, sometimes it's not clockwise. So, you know. the press release said different kinds of water pair better with different types of food. Yes, I have found wet water goes better with food, and dry water goes better on its own. I like the powdered water. You like the powdered yes. water. Instant water. You just, you just add, add water, water and mix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. So uh, all the silliness of, soda, uh, of this, uh, this is the sort of thing that grows out of this kind of new culture that has been continuing and unfortunately with, with some movies and TV shows encouraging it. Um, and it's just some sort – quarters of the wine world of chasing certifications just to have them. Not just not just the wine world, also the food world. That's true. There is That's this true. whole sense yeah, yeah, yeah. of yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's not it's not about learning to learn because that's not a bad thing. It's about learning to get letters, right? And and Rick knows because he has no letters. Uh, no, I have the M and the R in a period. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Uh, uh-huh. yeah, I have I, the DNF. <laughs> did not, not finish. finish. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I have a few others, but I'm not going to get into those. <laughs> um, so. I mean, this is not to criticize people who study for their jobs. No. In fact, they should. Right. Right. But it is to criticize this concept that um, certification somehow makes you a minor god, a lesser god, and lack of certification somehow makes you uh, like us. Well, Well, (laughs) that's a bad example. Yeah. I actually have a certification. (laughs) (laughs) Just goes to show how little that does. (laughs) Uh, uh, So, I mean, it does matter. It matters if your career, education matters. But the problem is that so many people are doing it for the wrong reasons. You know, it is. And one of the reasons is the quote unquote coolness factor. Right. And it's just. I was talking to a friend of mine who teaches at one of these certification programs. And he said that in his last few classes, 30 to 40 percent of the people in the class had no connection. To the hospitality industry. They were just right. people who loved wine who right. wanted to be able to say, I'm a certified this or I'm a cert-. and And no actual expectation they're ever going to use it. They just wanted to be able to say it. Right. And, and actually, I know a couple of people like that, too. And, and Well, Rick, I know a number of people say that you are certifiable. Uh, well, that – yeah, that's a whole different thing, too. The guys are standing outside waiting. Um, <laughs> but the – How do they keep those clothes, clothes so clean? <laughs> you know, it is um, – 
so some that's a part of it and and part of it too for at least for me you know is that it sort of steals that sort of just mindless study steals the joy of wine and maybe mm-hmm. of food too mm-hmm. you know it's not it's no longer about I love this. This is why. Or wasn't that interesting? Or look at the cool history of these people. It's about memorizing right. things. Right. Well, and in fact, I mean, I understand if somebody wants a job in a restaurant, if somebody wants a job in my old company and wants to show a dedication to study and they can say, look, I studied long enough to get one of these. That kind of shows my commitment to the industry. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the idea that somehow being able to rattle off all of the communes of Beaujolais in alphabetical order makes you something other than a bit of a whack job. I'm, I don't get that part. Yeah, I think another piece that comes with this, and you and I have talked about this before and, and talking about like those shows and the movies about that sort of thing, is that the impression is, even with these top, top level people, those are the shows and the movies, is that there's so many things you could do wrong. Right. Sorry, like, Rick, I'm not paying attention. I'm still trying to work through those communes of Beaujolais in my mind. <laughs> I can't remember what comes after Chirou. There you go. Well, there go your letters. <laughs> but, uh, and that's, that's exactly the problem, is that, you know, uh, that the sense that, that wine is this, it's not just the intimidating thing, but there's this, it's like this minefield. Right. And you have to get right. everything, everything right. right. Oh my God. What happens if you make a mistake? Yeah. You know yeah. what? It still tastes pretty good. Yeah. And then it goes nice and then you have two glasses and you feel pretty good and everybody's happy and I'm sorry, what were we talking about? Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> I would say the only real mistake is missing the wine glass and that's correctable. <laughs> that's um, right. Yeah. That's um, right. And I think probably, I mean, and one of the last things, and, and you know, it's unfortunate that wine is one of those places where ego and prestige get all tied together. Not um, with us. Not with us. <laughs> certainly no, not the prestige no side. Prestige and there's here. no reason to have any ego. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it is um, – it's it's like it, – every. I would argue everything that we can do in and outside the industry that are connected to it to not let – Wine be be something about should, quote unquote prestige. Yeah, ought to be yeah, done. Yeah, we we should. Yeah, what what it ultimately leads to is an almost active attempt to discourage people from getting interested in the right, business. Right, right. Because oh gosh, I mean, I have to 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 buy this bottle of wine. I have to study for three years. Right, I, I know, have to right. memorize the varietals. I have to do this. Yeah. 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 So, no, you don't. You actually, you just need to open the little end. Yes. That's the key wine knowledge fact from Rick and Paul. Yes. Always and, open the little end of the bottle. And 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 really, you don't need to study because we'll answer uh, questions for you. And by the way, uh, it, do a we little, have some? Well, not only that, Paul. I think a lot of people don't know that you and I are both uh, have uh, achieved the prestigious certification of question sommelier. <laughs> you know there are, it, there was there were there was only one in the world uh, before 2015. <laughs> All right, Good. so it's time to take some questions. Yes. Thank you for listening to Ball Talk, Rick and Paul, and putting up with our silliness. Um, if you'd like to ask us a question, the place is rickandpaulwine.com. Uh, or questionsommelier.com. Does yes. that exist yet? We should. That's we our should new website. It. We yes. should get that. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, and because it's this time of year, we have a couple Super Bowl-related questions. We, we get these uh, this sort of thing every Excellent. time of year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before we do, I <clears throat> I want once again to share the annual Harris Poll on what Americans drink. Here's the thing, uh, Paul. Yes. You know, we've been doing the show now for a few years. It's not changed. No. And yet they do the survey every year because Just they're to, survey sommeliers. Yeah, they are survey sommeliers. They have the, <laughs> that prestigious. I think they are master survey. Um, so here's no surprise to anyone, but we're telling Wait, let me you guess. anyway. Let me guess. Number one. Beer. There you go. I got it. I know. Right. I'm a hero. Yep. On Super Bowl Sunday. This is yep. this is what we drink on Super Bowl Sunday. And then come spirits. 
Okay. And then flavored malt beverages, which is, you know. Wow. And that's actually I would not moving have guessed up. that. Its number was higher. Yeah, it was three last year. Okay. But that's those things like, you know, the, the 12-ounce vodka drinks and the hard lemonades sure. and that sort of thing. But actually, the percentage <clears throat> yeah. is climbing, which tells you something about Everything. people being more willing to drink all kinds of stuff. And then wine is number four. Yep. Okay. We, have, we have work to do here, folks. Yep. Well, never, I will never forget the Randy Cross, the great. The great uh, 49er -er guard who complained when the 49ers were playing in San Francisco that the fans sat in the stands and drank Chardonnay instead of cheering on their team. And I always thought, boy, that's the problem with you Northern California fans. You're too busy arguing Chardonnay. Of course, the thing is now when you go uh, go to a 49er game, you can certainly get a a plate of cheese and a glass of wine. Maybe some sushi to go with it. (laughs) Exactly right. (laughs) Things have changed. Sorry, Randy. All right. So this one comes from Susan in Reno. And she says, I hope this doesn't sound cliche. I'm not a football fan, but I love the Super Bowl parties. All the guys are drinking beer, but I like wine. Any suggestion for what wine goes with all the goofy food? Well, particularly if your team's winning, I have the perfect solution. And you know what it is, Rick, because it's what your wife drinks all the time. Oh, yeah, sparkling for sure. Yeah, Yeah. because if your team's ahead, you should be drinking bubbly. It is exactly like beer, only in most cases it tastes better. And it goes with all of those goofy foods exactly the way beer does. And when your team is winning, you get to raise your glass on high and say all sorts of insulting things to the fans of the other team. And it also brings to mind that um, that wonderful line that I only drink champagne when I'm happy, except that it's also the one thing I drink when I'm sad. <laughs> Remember Madame Boulanger. And if your team's losing, there's something to be said for pouring yourself a that's nice right. glass of sparkling wine so and saying, you know sort what? Of fiddling why Rome burns. That's right. Yeah, By yeah. God. Still. Yeah. So I'm going to vote sparkling wine through and through. Yeah. And, you know, one of the wines I always suggest is Zinfandel if you like reds. Zinfandel is kind of a big, hearty wine, and it seems to be perfect for pizza rolls and tacos and yeah, all that kind with of fun spicy, stuff. Yeah, with spicy food, the alcohol in Zinfandel can be, might, can might be yeah. pretty much yeah, light the, your mouth on maybe fire. Maybe the slighter, so. richer, sweeter ones will, will take, and, take it. Or, those and the good. other possibility would be if, depending on the, your team colors. Now, for for San Francisco, we have it great because it's red and gold, so you can drink red or white. I'm not sure what the Raiders drink, Black and silver. Uh, well, <clears throat> yeah, I think at least coffee. The, at and... least in the short run, we're not going to have to worry about the Raiders. <laughs> uh, Raiders on Super Bowl. Sunday, we'll find but, out. Yes. not not this Super yeah. Bowl anyway. Yes, um, and and <laughs> I'd also say I I've always sort of argued a richer Chardonnay too because the richness can can blend with all the hmm. big stuff. Too. Hmm. Okay. All right. Speaking of the bubbly, by the way. So this one comes yes. from Cassie in Sacramento. Okay. She says, "Is it ever acceptable to just pop the cork?" Uh, on bubbly and get the spray. And ah. uh, uh, she uh, here's what she says. I, I asked because there are times when college name removed because it has a law school and we don't want to get sued. <laughs> we don't want to get sued. Beats name of husband's college, which also has a law school. <laughs> and we don't want to get sued by <laughs> no. them either. I just want to spray him with all the foam and yell booyah. <laughs> you know what? In that situation, it Go is for it. perfectly acceptable. The, yes. only, the only suggestion I would make is if you know that's going to happen, don't waste a really good bottle on that. The, an inexpensive bottle of bubbly will spray just as nicely as a good bottle. But remember that some of the biggest names at uh, some of the greatest champagne houses in the world donate their products so that the winners of the Tour de France yeah. or a Grand Prix race can pop the cork and spray it all over themselves. And if they can do it, so can you. Right. But if you're living on a budget, get a cheap one because it really does sort of um, – it does take all the bubbles out. And then now you've got yes. a flatter version of Although it does wine. take a lot of the cat smell out of your house that's once true. you have to clean up the bubbles. Well, so, Rick, I know that's a factor for you. you know, I would say most importantly, you, you lose some wine. 
Yeah. So there's a, there's always that. Yeah. But yeah, but I, I say, love the booyah. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I think, yeah, I think that should be a requirement. And and if, if you you're going to spray bubbles, yep. booyah is the thing to yell. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, one more, and this is <laughs> I like this one. This is from Gerald in Atlanta. Um, and I think Gerald was uh, thinking ahead because his Falcons didn't make it this year. But he's uh, <laughs> he said, silly question. Is it uncool to raise a toast to team name removed? Well, I just said it because we're being careful. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, when they score, am I going to look wimpy? All right. Probably probably you don't want to toast. No, I think, here. though, that raising your glass and yelling booyah, booyah. would be absolutely That's what you do. That is the way to do it. Raise the glass and yell booyah. I think booyah. There's your yes. official NFL toast yes. from Rick I, and Paul. I, I've tried. I'd say, may I offer a toast to that touchdown and had gotten a you-know-what kicked out of me. So yeah. I No, think, no, but yeah. booyah, yes. absolutely perfect. All right. You know, we better be careful. We Cassie's are, going to be answering questions are, for us pretty yes. soon. Um, we, are, we are clearly losing our prestigious uh, certification as we go. So that's it for questions for now. Uh, but up next is some really horrible wine writing. You know, that music fits the general tone of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Booyah, Rick. Booyah. (laughs) All right, Paul. What horrible wine writing have you brought us? I'll take this one on for size. The red wine was tannic, a bit rustic, and floral. It had chewy flavors of red fruits with silky notes of herb and spice. 90 points. Drink until 2026. (laughs) So, first of all, I think... think I don't think he really means you're supposed to drink it until 2026. That would be a long time to drink a wine. Well, if he's just sipped carefully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A sip every month yes. gets you to 2026. Um, and then I love chewy flavors yeah. and silky herbs. Right. I'm sorry. First of all, this is sounding a little bit like somebody's underpants. <laughs> and, and, and I don't get how those two go together at all. I, I don't know how a flavor would be chewy. Chewy. Well, you know, I you mean, chew, uh, I mean, you could chew the texture, yes, but you couldn't chew the flavor, right? And then, of course, the the really complicated thing is, how does all this fit in with a rustic wine? A rustic wine with silky notes, yeah, that sounds like a farmer in overalls wearing silk underwear to me. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody knows what rustic means in relationship to wine, except for if they've had a prestigious certification. Little, little, little bit dirty. <laughs> yeah, a little bit dirty. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so uh, what do you have? All right. So these were all um, from a, a regional wine travel magazine. I was in the Monterey, Car- Monterey Carmel area uh, not Love, so long ago. Lovely area. And uh, it is. It is. And it's a great area for wine. But Surprised I saw- they let you in. <laughs> They didn't. I snuck in under <laughs> they didn't the, the cover of darkness. Um, <laughs> uh, but they saw these descriptions in one of the travel magazines about why, you know, they had asked each of the wineries why we should come to their tasting rooms. And they yes. had this heading under unique features. Unique. Now, Re- unique. So listen to should, ha- should we review briefly what unique means? I would think it means uh, not like other things. One of a kind. Yes. Inimitable. Yes. Un, yes. Uh, unsimilar. <laughs> okay. So there. Are the, let me just go through a few of these unique features. Handcrafted artisan wines, wine country comfort, and hospitality. Come in and relax. That's unique? Yes. Well, here's the next one. The winery removed, of course, so we don't get to. Invites you to relax in our comfortable taste room, offering the opportunity to enjoy award-winning artisan wines. Uh-huh. Another one. We invite you to visit our comfy, well-appointed taste room to sample handcrafted wines and Central Coast hospitality with an artisan touch. <laughs> stop. Another one. Stop by where taste room can be enjoyed. Tasting and enjoy from the portfolio of handcrafted artisan wines. And finally, you can relax in the newly remodeled taste room while savoring superb handcrafted artisan wines. 
Hmm. That's unique, all right. Apparently, they don't understand the word unique. Well, that's what it's like. You know? This is this is the yeah. One of the things uh, we often talk about um, with the wine business is just everybody wants to be just like everybody else, and then doesn't understand why nobody remembers their name. Yes, we and, don't suffer from that problem, Rick. No, we just know nobody just remembers us. Period. Nobody. Yeah. Oh, people remember us, but, but not, not for, not the for reasons. good reasons. Yes. That's right. All right. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I, I'd like to go back to questions. Uh, uh, since we are, you know, exercising our, our newly awarded certification from about five minutes ago. Questioners. Yes. Question sommeliers. Um, and this one comes from uh, our producer. Uh, Matt Pacini. Matt Pacini. Matt caught us uh, last week uh, being incomplete. How unlike us, Paul. How unlike us. <laughs> How did he ever do that, Rick? That's right. Well, we were talking about uh, port. We're talking port. about the, how port wines can age. Can age a long time and, and how to get the corks out. And how to get the corks out. And, and yeah. so he was he was asking a little bit more about why and what kind of ports age. And and how do you know if your port will age and what does it do? All of those very valid questions that we right. did not answer at all. And we referred him to somebody who might know We told something. him, uh, talk to the water some. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. So we thought maybe we would answer Matt's questions because maybe some other people, if anybody else was paying attention, might have those same so questions. So why don't I take the first one and you take the second one. Okay. The first one was, how do you know, do all ports age, and how do you know which ones do? And it's a really, really simple, it's it's almost as if they put a sign on every bottle. Because there are two kinds of corks they use in port. One of them is a traditional long inch and a half, two inch cylindrical cork that goes into every wine bottle you've right. ever seen. And if your bottle of port has that kind of cork in it, they expect you to age it. Uh, five years, 10 years, 20 years, and if it's really expensive and good, up to 50 years. If, on the other hand, it has one of those little corks that you find in olive oil bottles or spirits bottles that's got a little plastic cap on it and then just a, maybe three-quarters of an inch of a the cork. The kind of cork you can open with your hand without with a With your hand, no corkscrew. Those wines are released when they are ready to drink. You don't need to age them. And, in fact, it's a mistake to age them on their side the way you age most wine bottles because those corks tend to leak over time. Yeah, yeah those and are so not designed for you. when you buy those – and you can tell just by looking at the top of the bottle. Does it need a cork? screw or am I going to open this with my hand? If you can open it with your hand, drink it, it, which is, I think, a good rule in life. If you can open it without a tool, go ahead and drink it. If you need a that's, tool, then you have to think. Uh, yeah, thinking is hard. Uh, it's, that's not a, it's not a bad, <laughs> bad rule. <laughs> not a bad rule for life. Uh, and his second like question that. was, so if I do get one of these with a long cork in it, what happens if I leave it in the house for 10 years? So it, it doesn't, by the way, it doesn't mean you couldn't drink it right, right away, but actually uh, it will improve. And, you know, we, we talk often, we get this question often about how what what happens to regular wines when they change? And they sort of lose their fruit and uh, and develop newer, different flavors, sort of earthier flavors and leather. Well, a little of that happens with port. But port is different because the sugar level is much higher. The tannin levels are pretty high going in. Tannins, that you know, rough stuff around the edges. The alcohol level is high. And so these folks, this helps a wine age. And what happens is it almost grows in not so much in intensity, but in complexity, all the flavors sort of coalesce together. Right. So the fruit, right. you know, you really notice the fruit and the layers of fruit and the sweetness. I always say it feels like a, a softer, rounder sweetness. Right. It doesn't feel right. like it's just really a sweet wine. It just feels like it's sort of 
yeah. it woven through the fruit. All the elements integrate, and instead right. of being tasting, oh, I taste this, this, and this, by the time you taste right. one that's 10 years old, it's, wow, I'm not sure what I'm tasting, but it's all coming together in a really nice way in my mouth. And then the other question that uh, Matt would have asked uh, if we had allowed him the time was— But, but so, as question sommeliers, we cut him off. But we cut him off because we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we have the prestigious certifications, and we don't want anybody else to try to we're take NQSs. over our ground. That's right. Um, which is— now now that you've opened that bottle of port, uh, how long can it hang around right. before you have to right. drink it? Well, clearly much longer than um, than your your standard. Well, wine. in fact, this answer is the same. The ones with the long corks, the theory is you should drink those within a couple of days because once you pull the corks, they do tend to uh, get affected by air. The ones that are sealed with the easy opening top, those you can drink over the course of a month or yeah, even a few a month months. Or two. So and I, I would argue even those um, those ones with the long corks, uh, they will change over time, but they're but they're not going to go bad on you. You just lose. They won't go some, bad, but the, not the people right away. who make them want you to drink them within the first. Yes, because they're going to they're going to start to taste a little different. They're but gonna, because of the sugar, yeah. um, they'll hang around for a little while too. Yep. So um, that's that. Okay, well, uh, never and, a problem in your house, is it, Rick? A few hours is all we get. <laughs> That's why you got to drink fast around me. All right. Okay. And this last one comes from Sonia in Sacramento. And she says, our tasting person kept saying their wines weren't filtered or fined. She was very proud of that, but we had no idea what that means. Okay. Well. Well, that means that the wines did not get caught parking in the wrong place. <laughs> so there were no, no fines. That is levied. not what fined means. Uh, no, it does not. Okay. So filtered and fine. Obviously, filtered means you run them through a filter. And the filtration does take out. I, I used to, a, a dear friend of mine, he's one of the most famous winemakers in California, always used to say that she didn't like to filter her wine, but she did like to take out the rocks and frogs. So what that meant was a very coarse filtration right. just to take out anything that was floating in the wine. Over time, almost everything that's in wine settles down in sediment in the barrel. And if you're very careful and you wait long enough, you can rack it from one barrel to the other and leave all that sediment behind. And some people make their wine that way. Other people either run it through a filter or one of the things they do to help that stuff— And it's not just like a giant, you know, large— uh, uh, strainer. It's it's it very kind of is like a lot. Well, it's a little more sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, a little it's more sophisticated. Yeah. But then, in order to get that sediment to settle, some people use what is called a fining agent. And these are different kinds of things. Some people use egg whites, other things, and they mix them up in the wine, and then that stuff sinks to the bottom. And as it sinks, it takes all the sediment with it. Uh, Rick is staring at me because I'm demonstrating he's, he's, all yes. of this carefully on the radio. Well, we're going to have to start record, uh, putting a video <laughs> in here. <laughs> And that helps ex sort of accelerate that sedimentation and settling process. In both cases, saying that you don't filter or fine your wine seems to imply that you are being very careful about yes. it. But the truth is that some of the greatest wines in the world are filtered or fine. In fact, I'm going to argue most of the most famous wines on the planet have been filtered or fined, and they still taste pretty darn good. Yeah, a friend of mine, a long-time and, and well-respected winemaker in, in Napa Valley, um, one of the smaller ones for you by have Napa a friend? scale. He's, he's been nice to me. I don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, but he says they don't filter or fine, and he says— we just consider it a good marketing thing. There you go. Yeah, so there, there you, go. you go. All right. Well, that is it for another round for bottle a bottle talk with Rick and Paul. 
Our producer is Matt Pacini. Thank, thank you, Matt. Thank you, and Matt. thank you for the question. Thank you. Thanks to Capital Public Radio once again for allowing us to use their studios and for including us on their podcast lineup. Recommended podcast. Recommended. Thank you, Napa Broadcasting. And if you'd like to ask us a question, go to rickandpaulwine.com, all one word. Don't forget, Paul will be leading a pretty spectacular cruise down the West Coast, leaving San Francisco July 31st. Information available at winecruisegroup.com or on our website. Paul will be also, he's everywhere at the Vancouver International Wine Festival on February 26th to March 4th. And I will be there hanging around. Come hang out and we can heckle him. Uh, there's lots of information at tourismvancouver.com. And if you've learned anything today, I hope it's that some certifications aren't worth the water they're printed on. Or, or, or something, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> exactly. I'm Rick Cushman. I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially us. 